Welcome. I'm Jan Robinson, Registrar and Chief Executive Officer for the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. I'm really pleased to be joined by Elise Wickett, Registered Veterinary Technician and Past President of the Ontario Association of Veterinary Technicians. Elise was also a member of the College's Legislative Reform Working Group, looking at scope of practice. Welcome, Elise. Thank you, Jan. I'm happy to join you for this podcast to discuss the proposed scope of practice model. We're very pleased to be working together throughout this important consultation. In very basic terms, the scope of practice model explains what veterinary medicine includes, what specific risk activities are and who can do them, and how to present this to the public. The model acknowledges that responsibilities that exist within the delivery of veterinary medicine to animals and clients in Ontario is team-based. The proposed changes to the scope of practice model are a key part of the college's broader legislative reform initiative, which is seeking to modernize and improve the Veterinarians Act. This consultation is critical for veterinarians, registered veterinary technicians, and clinic staff, those who are on the front line in providing veterinary medicine in Ontario. Of course, it's also relevant to the public, particularly those who are consumers of veterinary services. The College and the OAVT are endeavouring to help you understand the proposed scope of practice model, what's new and what's different, and why this direction is being proposed. Throughout this podcast, we are going to review the proposed model in detail. Background materials are also available on the CVO and OAVT websites and have also been circulated through email to veterinarians and registered veterinary technicians. The public consultation is ongoing until May 12th. We invite you to spend some time in reviewing the materials available and then tell us what you think. An online questionnaire is available for you to provide your input. We welcome all input and your perspectives are valuable in reviewing and analyzing the proposed scope of practice model. So let's get started. We will begin by discussing the key features of the proposed scope of practice model, which include a new definition of veterinary medicine, a list of authorized activities, title protection for both veterinarians and veterinary technicians, a list of exemptions, and a risk of harm clause. We will conclude with a review of the most common questions we have received about the proposed model and the consultation. First, though, you're likely wondering why are we doing this in the first place. Veterinary medicine in Canada has historically been a profession with an exclusive scope of practice. No one other than a veterinarian could perform healthcare activities on animals unless under delegation and supervision. Today, the public's expectations are different. The public looks to veterinarians for services such as diagnosing illnesses, prescribing medication, and surgery, tasks which we, as regulators, would consider to be higher risk activities. However, the public also seeks therapies and services for their animals from non-veterinarians and without veterinary oversight. These tend to be lower risk activities such as massage therapy and rehabilitation things we might consider to be complementary and alternative medicine. The public expects to have direct access to these types of therapies and services without needing a referral from a veterinarian. As well, the current Veterinarians Act doesn't specifically define veterinary medicine. Instead, it lists a few activities which create confusion as to what is the exclusive scope of veterinarians. It's also important that the model responds to identified risks and potential harm to animals and the public. The current model isn't really clear in this area. And finally, but certainly not least, the profession recognizes the strength of the qualifications that veterinary technicians, particularly registered veterinary technicians, bring to the veterinary team in supporting quality and safety in practice. 
The aim of this scope of practice review and proposal is to acknowledge that the world is not the same as when the Veterinarians Act was introduced in 1989. What is proposed is a model focused on a system of veterinary medicine and on protecting activities that pose the greatest risk of harm to animals. The aim is to acknowledge changing public expectation and to balance this with the need for the protection of animals. Now let's look at what's proposed, and then you can tell us whether you believe the proposed model is more effective in serving the public interest. I'll turn it over to Elise, who will walk you through the change in definition, as well as the title protection aspects of the proposed model. Thanks, Jan. The proposed scope of practice model promotes a clear definition of what veterinary medicine includes and definitively lays out risks related to veterinary activities. The aim is to provide clarity for the veterinary profession and other animal service providers and also the legal system. The proposed model defines veterinary medicine as the practice of veterinary medicine is the assessment of the physiological or behavioral status of an animal or group of animals and the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of any condition, disease, disorder, or dysfunction. The definition within the current model defines veterinary medicine as dentistry, obstetrics, ova and embryo transfer, and surgery on animals. As Jan mentioned, this list creates confusion in the rapidly evolving world of veterinary medicine as to whether a certain type of therapy or treatment are within the scope of veterinary medicine. The proposed definition will apply to both veterinarians and veterinary technicians. Another important aspect of the proposed scope of practice model is that title protection will be established in law for both veterinarians and veterinary technicians. Anyone using either title in either English or French language must be licensed. The title doctor will be protected for veterinarians with specific conditions for its use by chiropractors treating animals. As well, the title registered veterinary technician will also be protected for licensed veterinary technicians. The current Veterinarians Act includes title protection for veterinarians. The addition of veterinary technicians recognizes technicians as professionals with direct areas of accountability in the team delivering veterinary medicine in Ontario. If this proposed scope of practice model is approved by both the college and the OAVT, there will be a recommendation that the provincial government establish one piece of legislation to govern veterinary medicine in Ontario. The College has enjoyed a cooperative relationship with the OAVT throughout development of the proposed scope of practice model. The partnership and friendship between our organizations is not unlike that of veterinarians and RVTs who work together in clinics and hospitals across the province. The College is proud to see veterinarians and veterinary technicians united in this legislation. There is no doubt that registered veterinary technicians have the credentials enabling them to support the delivery of safe, quality veterinary medicine. We have seen significant growth in the number of RVTs over the past 10 years, and there are currently 3,200 RVTs in practice in Ontario. That growth is a testament to recognition of the RVT's role as a qualified team member working in partnership with veterinarians. Veterinary medicine is a system, and veterinarians and veterinary technicians are a team with co-accountability. Jan, let's move on to discussing the list of authorized activities which will apply to both veterinarians and veterinary technicians. Thank you, Elise. The authorized activities section is the core of the proposed scope of practice model. The complete list of authorized activities is available in the consultation background document. Authorized activities do not exist in the college's current legislation. The list in the proposed model includes various responsibilities which currently exist in veterinary medicine diagnosis, assessments of individual animals or herds, ordering lab tests, 
and prescribing, dispensing, or compounding drugs. As well, authorized activities include performing various procedures, such as surgery or dentistry, treating fractures and dislocations or severed tendons, administering substances, and moving the joints of the spine. Other activities, such as using or ordering a form of energy, such as an x-ray, manual procedures related to diagnosis and or treatment of pregnancy, sterility, or infertility, performance of a post-mortem examination, and performing euthanasia are included as authorized activities. As I said earlier, the current legislation does not include a list of authorized activities. The obvious question, then, is who does what? As is the case now, a licensed veterinarian is able to do all authorized activities and can delegate an activity when appropriate or permitted and with an appropriate level of supervision. What's new is that in the proposed model, veterinary technicians will be able to initiate certain subsets of authorized activities. Let's look at a couple of authorized activities as examples. In terms of diagnosing a disease, disorder, or dysfunction, a veterinarian makes the diagnosis and this cannot be delegated. The veterinarian may, however, delegate to a veterinary technician the communication surrounding that diagnosis. There are a small number of other authorized activities that a veterinarian cannot delegate, such as ordering lab tests, prescribing drugs, setting a bone or fracture, or performing a post-mortem examination. Performing euthanasia may be delegated, but only to a veterinary technician. It is also noteworthy that veterinary technicians cannot delegate authorized activities that they are authorized to perform or that have been delegated to them. I fear our listeners may be on information overload. We encourage people to take a look at the background materials for further clarification, and certainly both of our organizations are happy to respond to any specific questions you may have. Jan, before we move on from the authorized activities area, let's take a look at how non-veterinarians and the lower-risk activities fit into the mix. Sure. We want to ensure it is understood that the proposed model means that people will be able to take their animals directly to some individuals who provide animal services without a referral from a veterinarian. As an example, a woman participates in agility competitions with her border collie. After a competition, she takes her dog to a massage therapist or perhaps an animal rehabilitation physiotherapist for manual therapy to ensure any minor physical muscle stress is managed. She does not need a referral from a veterinarian to access these therapies. Now let's say at the competition the woman's dog has a fall and is injured. She takes her dog to a veterinarian as she wants an x-ray, a clear diagnosis, and perhaps pain medication to treat her dog. For those services, she must see a veterinarian. The proposed model ensures that key areas of risk can only be performed by a veterinarian and or a veterinary technician, both of whom are licensed and accountable for the services they provide to the client and her dog. The last area we want to look at before talking about some of the questions you may have deals with exemptions. Elise will guide us through the exemptions as they currently exist and what is proposed. Currently, the Veterinarians Act has a list of exemptions which are expected to be included within the new model. The proposed scope of practice model does, however, propose a couple of additional exemptions. Currently, those who are exempted from the Act are those who are providing first aid in an emergency without charging a fee, the animal's owner or someone who is employed to tend to the animal, those who are taking blood samples, those who treat fish, those who collect semen for artificial insemination, and those who collect or transport ova and embryos. Further, the current legislation only exempts veterinary students enrolled at the Ontario Veterinary College. 
The proposed model extends the exemption to all DVM students and to veterinary technician students enrolled in an accredited veterinary school. What is proposed adds exemptions for chiropractors and pharmacists, as well as individuals who are performing an authorized activity delegated by a veterinarian. Finally, the proposed scope of practice model includes a risk of harm clause, which identifies when a person could be prosecuted for the unlawful practice of veterinary medicine. Essentially, any unlicensed individual who provides treatment or advice about an animal's health and places an animal or person at risk from that treatment or advice could face prosecution. Jan and I have covered the main features of the proposed scope of practice model. It's a lot to absorb. That's why we're providing as much information as we can to assist you in understanding the proposed model. As we have said, there's further information on the CVO and OIVT websites. Before we sign off, we're going to cover some of those areas that we anticipate you may have questions about. I expect you're wondering how and when this is going to be administered. Revising the scope of practice model is a key part of the College's legislative reform initiative, which involves several other concepts as well. Work has been ongoing for several months to develop the College's recommended changes to the Veterinarians Act. Those recommendations will be compiled into a report and circulated for consultation this summer and then presented to the provincial government this fall. Legislative reform isn't something that happens overnight. Ultimately, the provincial government will decide on the future legislation that governs veterinary medicine in Ontario. This is our opportunity to share our thoughts, which is why it's so important to participate in this consultation. There have not been any proposals yet as to how a new scope of practice model, one which unites veterinarians and veterinary technicians, might be administered. The current focus is on the proposed model and evaluating its suitability for the public, animals, and the safety of the practice of veterinary medicine in Ontario. I'm an RVT, and I'm sure my colleagues are wondering why the term veterinary technician is used in the documentation explaining the proposed model. This new model protects the term veterinary technician, along with preserving the use of the title RVT. They would be used interchangeably. As well, any individual using either term would have similar qualifications. We are also aware that there are individuals who have graduated from a college program but have not joined the OAVT. Unfortunately, we don't know exactly how many non-RVTs are practicing in Ontario. A process will need to be considered to accommodate these individuals into new legislation. Reforming legislation is a big deal for a profession. The proposed scope of practice model is central to improving the legislation governing veterinary medicine in Ontario. This is an exciting time for veterinary medicine and all involved in providing those important services in our province. We hope you have found our podcast to be interesting and informative in explaining the proposed scope of practice model. Most importantly, we hope you take the opportunity to share your thoughts. Information on the consultation has been circulated through email to all veterinarians and RVTs practicing in Ontario. As well, check out the college's website at www.cvo.org or the OAVT's website at www.oavt.org and look for the consultation notice. You're invited to share your input by completing a brief online questionnaire. All the feedback received will be compiled and analyzed by an independent consultant and made available to the college and the OAVT, and also to the public. Following discussion of the feedback received, the college and the OAVT will decide separately on whether to proceed with the model as proposed. Thank you for tuning in. The consultation is open until May 12, 2017. We look forward to hearing from you.